Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. Russ and Tony are with you here. Picking up this conversation in John chapter seven. And, um, you know, this is pretty typical of me and you. We can't, we crack too many jokes, dude. If we would just take, if we would just take the teaching of the scriptures a little bit more serious, a little bit more seriously, maybe we'd be able to get through a decent chunk of verses in a respectable amount of time. That's what people say. That's what people say to us. But I always find myself kind of like Jesus that I feel like we spoke to in our last episode. Sometimes you're face to face with things where you just can't help yourself, man. You have to speak up. And I'm like, well, actually, we do take the scripture seriously. Which is why we do so with levity. Yes. Because levity, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful pictures of humility, not a humility that you've ascribed to or somehow produced on your own, yeah. but a general, like, no, I just got ruined by what Jesus said. Right. And I found the freedom to stop taking myself so damn seriously. Yeah. No, it's, (laughs) I think that's how we journey through it. (laughs) It's so true. And it's like what Jesus last week, you know, like he's like, man, his brothers are like, Oh no, go to the fest. It's cool. I know these guys are trying to kill you. You should go. Announce you're there. Make yourself Draw a bunch of attention to yourself. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. He's like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go in that way anyways. Or a, a less, uh, you know, respectable, non-blasphemous way would be to say, you know, he didn't agree to their terms in that way. But maybe he changed his mind. He couldn't help himself that passion, that zeal, because before you know it, he's like, I'm not going to go. And then he's going, but he's not going to go publicly and only privately. And then the next verse is like, I'm in the temple and he's actually teaching. Yeah. It's a dude that just can't help himself. He probably heard some dude yammering on and on about this festival and all of its rituals and all the different things and the food and the water and the ceremonies and the purification and all that. You probably heard him yammering on about some BS about the kingdom of God and misrepresenting what God is like. And he was like, dude, I'm done with this. I got to say something. And he finds himself in the middle of the temple teaching and getting into an argument with the crowd and owning, owning the Jewish leaders. Yep. Yep. And you're going to see how bad they owned them. And just this first verse we're about to read, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, man, I um, I found myself yesterday, somebody had posted this old quote from a pastor named Tony Evans out of Texas, which <laughs> there's a lot of things that Tony Evans says that I appreciate and how he says it, I appreciate. So this isn't a knock in any way against Tony Evans. But um, one of the things that he, I guess he had said was, 
this guy was trying to make a case for like, listen, all you people out there saying you're Christians who aren't sitting in church services on Sunday. Yeah. You're full of it. You're not a Christian. You're not a yeah. real one. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, man, scrolling through like anybody else. And I see this and you're supposed to just keep moving. You're supposed to just keep moving. Don't, don't respond. Don't respond. Don't rock the boat. And then everybody in my ear starts coming in. Russ, Russ, don't respond. But then I start to read this thing. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. You also don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Hmm. And people are like, yeah, that's the truth, man. To which case I'm looking at this thing and going, well, the church is by definition who you are. And the marriage is from someone else to us. So trying to compare it to our faulty relationships with each other is BS. By the way, you can't stay away long enough when you live in someone who's made you one with himself. So my relationship can't be affected by my not going and sitting in this idea of a service, which I'm not opposed to. What I'm opposed to is the idea that this is what we should be doing. And if you're not, you're somehow not a Christian. And then watching people cheer this on, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is not this what is Jesus has said or done. It's absolutely crazy. And it's more this than one true. time. It's more than one time in the scriptures where someone made a point that God does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. Just saying. And yet, and yet we'll make statements like that. And the entire presupposition of the statement yes. is that God is someone only to be interacted with. Yeah. Only be communed with. Yeah inside of a building made by human hands. Yeah. So you who have been crucified with Christ, who's no longer alive, but the life you now live, you live in him. You've been made the righteousness of God, hidden in the life of Christ. One with Jesus himself, somehow by not going to an event, you're not, you're no longer like in existence with him. Who's the very life itself. I'm just, I'm looking at this thing and going, dude, and everyone and their mother's cheering for it. Yes, yeah. this is the need of today. And I'm like, what? Anyhow, I just kind of found myself like you look at these things and you I'm not saying that's what Jesus did. I'm just wondering if Jesus was sitting in the temple hearing somebody talk like you were mentioning. And he's exactly. like, exactly. That's it. That's it. I know you guys are trying to kill me, <laughs> but I've got to I've got to say something. Here. I just think it's so it's it, it's it's more true to look at someone and dude, like we're about to see his passion again. So not only do we see it in that he's in the temple teaching, even though he said he's going to go in private, not publicly, it's more interesting to see that this is a dude who just couldn't help himself, put himself in a place where he can really tell the truth about what God is like, rather than someone who's just like working this predetermined divine schedule like, yes, I'm going to do this and this way. And at this minute, I'm going to go here. And then in 30 minutes, I will interject myself in the temple to say this. It's like, no, dude, what? That's crazy. Yeah. It's like mechanical. It's like you're making Jesus out to be like Spock, you know, like he's just no emotion. 
partly yeah. like a you know human computer just spitting out facts the dude filled the temple with zeal bro he flipped freaking tables yeah like this guy <laughs> was like you like don't post don't post don't post don't do it damn it what's well, like and i try not to get in any of these arguments just to be clear i mean i get like just because there's so much sideways energy that can happen in them but you get the zeal for like no no, there is such a life-giving, liberating, freeing truth to be found. Yeah. Stop telling lies that resurrected religion that Jesus buried. It's, yeah, we could keep going. But let's dive into this chapter seven here. So we, so we ended with Jesus and his takedown of these leaders. They're still up in arms about him healing a man on the Sabbath which is really not the reason they want to kill him. We got into um, the details of, of really like the, the whole healing a man on the Sabbath and breaking the Sabbath. That's just their excuse to get rid of a guy who literally is undermining, destroying their entire identity, all their power, all their control and all their money, power, money, and control. Sounds familiar. He's ruining all of it. Yep. And people are interested in what he has to say. They're gathering around him. He's showing and proving that he's from God. And he's really telling people what God is really like. And it's refreshing and it is good and it is good news. And it is leading to life. He's going to refer to it later on as streams of living water flowing out of your heart. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. And these dudes want to stomp it out. So he takes them down by telling them, okay, cool. You guys are all about like Sabbath, right? And you guys are so pissed that I healed a man's whole body on the Sabbath. And yet every time a baby's born in the eighth day, when you're supposed to do circumcision rolls around on the Sabbath in an effort to keep one rule, you will break another rule and call it obedience. But you're mad at me for breaking what you perceive to be a minutia this little bit of minutia in yep. the law. Oh, hey, by the way, the law is meant to do something. It has a ministry of death, as Paul says. It's meant to kill you. It's meant to show yep. you that you can't do this. It's meant to show you your limitations. It's meant to show you your humanity. It's meant to show you that reform, as you said last week, is never a possibility. Resurrection is what we need. Rescue is what we need. Yep. We need to look outside of ourselves. So he just gets done taking them down. And then 25, here's the ultimate. That, I mean, they're responding to this takedown. Verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly. And they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? these dudes are put in an impossible spot. Not only is their plot to kill him now exposed. Yep. He just made a crap ton of sense of what he said and exposed yep. their biblical and religious theological hypocrisy. And not only that, they're absolutely quiet. They're not saying a thing. If this was a rap battle, Jesus won right here. This is like the ending scene of eight mile. 
This is like the last. This is it, dude. Jesus just gets done like owning these guys, and they're sitting there, and oh, they can't do anything. Nothing. Yeah. Completely quiet. Yeah, nothing. Never heard anything like this. Can't argue with any of it. People are wondering, man, does he have a demon? Right now, that's been exposed. Like, oh no, these guys are just basically just using marketing skills to try to, you know, downplay this Messiah. But everywhere he goes, man, people are starting to grab on. And you can't argue with him. That, I think that's the biggest piece. You can't argue with what he's saying. So the crowd's putting two and two together. They're starting to yeah. see it all unfold. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. And so Jesus is like, oh, okay, you think you know where I come from? So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from and you don't know where I come from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet mm. many of the people believed in him. John's yep. always throwing that little nugget in there. Even though we looked at last week, he is rejected. Most of the people have publicly and outwardly rejected him. Their plot to murder him and get rid of him is now public. But there's this little glimmer, dude. Yeah, I think verse 26 to me is very telling. You know, you have a crowd that's like, could it, could it be that, that the authorities actually know he is the Messiah? Yeah. That for me is a very aha verse in this chapter. Like, could it be that these guys are face to face with what God's actually said and what he's really like and what his Messiah, his son has really come to do? And they just know that at the end of the day, it will undermine everything that they have put in place to keep themselves above others, to keep themselves feeling in control, to help them feel uh, efficient, you know, in their lives and effective and you know, just the very essence of like just being needed, you know, like there's just, there's so much that's at war with the whole persona that they've created around why they matter. And I think the people are, are catching on to that. And so, yeah, you have religious leaders who are trying to kill him, but otherwise you also have this group that is actually starting to really grab on. Um, because as we've seen, like he doesn't do things publicly the way we think he should when he does when he does do the miracles, he does them in secret in a way that it's a word of mouth thing, you know what I mean, that people could try to argue against. He intentionally seems to be doing something to show people what God is like and what they are like and what he's here to do. And he's here to do it in a way that elicits faith in who he is instead of just grabbing on to God as just some means to a better you. Yeah, because he knows one leads to life and the other doesn't. Yeah, and I'm wondering sometimes if like that's the the reason why he takes the approach, you know, that he does. But I mean, he makes it known to him, like, look, you guys have got all the right lineage, you've got the what you think is the right race, and you're doing all what you think are the right things, like even being at this festival, and yet the Messiah that you've been looking for your whole life. 
the one who, come, who comes from the God that you've been talking about your whole life is right in front of you. And you can't even see it. And or the, verse 26, you don't want to see it. Well, what happens when you come face to face with God and you don't like what he has to say? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what happens when you come face to face with the one who made you and you don't like what he has to say? Dude, I feel like that's the whole end of chapter seven, because it's just over and over and over again. Jesus just saying to them, I am from the father. I teach what he says. You can't refute it. You don't have a problem with it in regards to like, it's somehow like a lie. And yet you refuse it. Why? Like over and over, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like kind of just poking them in the eye. Right. Why is it that at every turn you want everything, but what God has actually declared in the life that he's brought you into? I think yeah. you're right, man. I feel like that's the heart of it, dude. It's, it's people who are face to face with what Jesus actually said. And they don't, they don't, they don't want him, man. This whole festival, everything that's happening here, yeah. everything you guys are sitting here, like trying to debate, like, who am I? Where'd I come from? You're trying to put the clues together about the old Testament. Well, it says like, you know, like when the Messiah comes, we're not going to know where he comes from, but we not kind of know where he was born. You know, they're trying to do the math, but it's like, man, he's doing like these miracles too. And man, can it be that the, these guys know that he is the Christ? Like they're, they're, they're trying to figure it out. The Bible tells us that when the Messiah comes, we're not going to know where he comes from. Yep. But they're like, well, we do know where you come from. Like, we know where you were born. Like we know your mom, we know your hometown. Yep. And then he asked the question. Oh, you know where I come from? Yeah. You know, okay. Well, actually, I was sent here by someone. And after a little while, I'm going to a place you can't come. Yeah. And I speak of him. I, sh I share what he's saying, which yeah. is why you can't refute anything that I'm saying. And I think some of these guys are looking at him like, well, he, you know, he, he this is Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, Nazareth. I mean, seriously. Right. But they don't realize that no, Jesus was born in Bethlehem which the prophecy doesn't say that he'll grow up in Bethlehem. The old Testament prophecy is that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, yeah. which Jesus was. So they're trying to like connect dots. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're trying to basically move off check marks. And it's like the thing. And, and rightfully so like, this is the yeah. thing like in their community story is this one that comes and it's like, all right, man, like we kind of thought like, you know, Billy Bob so-and-so like four years ago was the one and he didn't yep. turn out to be. And I know that there's been some, you know, prior and even past Jesus. And so they're, they got, they want to get it right. Which is why like all this writing about, like he said something, I love John's writing. It's like, and Jesus said um, this, and then John will say, and so then the Jew said, what did he mean by this? And it's like, bro, like you could have, <laughs> You could have just saved so much time on your scrolls, bro, by like, you know, abbreviating that. Yeah. And you're like, hey, man, you don't have a typewriter here, <laughs> much less a computer. You know what I mean? You could have, could have saved yourself, saved yourself a little bit. But Jesus, you know, he basically, I mean, what we can see here, he just steps into it. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Yes. So at this feast, this which, by the way, is all pointing this. to him, yeah. he just goes ahead and just goes for it. 
right? He just stands up and cries out, if anyone thirsts, if anyone here is weary, anxious, insecure, exhausted, doubtful, fearful, hiding, pretending, striving, and all the above, if anyone here thirsts for something more, for crying out loud, okay, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, okay, so he's not speaking of his own accord again, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The joy, the peace, the satisfaction, the meaning, all these things, man, that you're, cra you're craving for, it's just going to, it's, it's, you're not just going to know about it. You're not just going to hear about it. You're not just yeah. going to be able to think and talk about it. It's right. going to be something that bubbles up and flows out of your very pores. Right. It's going to fill your story. And then this connects to the, you know, the festival, you know, so you have this festival of booths and all the booths have this either remembrance or the ceremony or whatever. And from my studying of it, you know, one of these, one of the more important ones is the purification booth and water is yeah. a part of that. And so it's like they had this cistern of water and something, you know, happened in that ceremony where water was a part of it. And symbolically this purification that everyone wants, right? Everyone mm -hmm. seeks. And everyone wants, right, to have a guilt management system to know that, you know, maybe the things they have or they've they have done or are doing or whatever, that they're purified, that they're good, that they're, you know, they're forgiven, or maybe they've forgiven themselves or somebody else forgave them yeah. or something. Somebody, everyone's trying to like figure that that piece out. And Jesus is like, listen, man, like this whole water thing, this whole purification, dude. I'm not talking about water just sitting stagnant in a cup or a basin or a jar i'm talking about yeah. like a massive like flow like an unstoppable flow of living yeah. water known as myself i want yeah. to give you myself yep. in the form of the spirit yeah verse 39 he tells it says right here now this he said jesus okay jesus said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus has not yet, right, been glorified. So there's a definite mission that he's on. He's making it known who he is and what he's come to do. The father will glorify himself in and through his son. As we'll see later on in John. And, and when that happens, the spirit will be poured out on all flesh. As the scriptures say, as the Old Testament prophecies point to. But in the midst of all this that's going on, Jesus is making known to a crowd of, of, of people, some who are believing, but then, of course, at the same time, you've got these Jewish leaders that there's just something in their system, man. That, and I think, you know, we can make a bunch of conclusions here, but whatever it might be, they just can't seem to get on board with letting go. Yeah. They can't get on board with giving up. Yep. What happens? when you come face to face with God and you don't like what he has to say. Well, if we're going to get honest, you know, on this podcast, which is something we talk about, right? Scandalous grace meets refreshing honesty. I remember being years in the pastoral ministry and, and going back to the scriptures and seeing 
I feel like what Jesus actually said versus what I wanted him to say, what I thought he said, because what I thought he said gave me a real handle in all this. Hmm. It gave me a, a means of control in the narrative. And when I came face to face with like, no, he already reconciled all things, you, everything you've done, everything that's been done against you. Oh, by the way, the same is true for everyone else. And it been like the whole platform that I had, I felt like in a, like just within a very moment's notice right there, just, I can remember in my mind, like you just watch it just crumble. Mm. And on one hand, because I'm a flawed person, I was rejoicing in this, this peace, this joy, this rest that comes from, from knowing that God has done all that is needed and in him I dwell. Yeah. But at the same time, man, I found myself not liking what I was, what I was hearing. Like, man, there's got to be a way to divide everybody up into two camps, bro. And there's got to be a way to manage the one camp in a way that protects it and purifies it and creates some real safeguards on who gets in. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, dude, it's all about what we do, right? That makes the church viable. That makes the good news real. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard somebody say in the last six months that you know that the greatest hindrance to the gospel is that the church is not walking in the ways of jesus i'd be a rich man because i'm looking at that and going no the greatest hindrance to the spread of the gospel is the church believing that walking in the ways of jesus is something that you need to do and that it's somehow impossible jesus is our union with god he is the way yeah. He's not giving us a list of ways. And the reason why he is our way is because the list of ways will never suffice because we ain't that damn good at it. We never have been. And we never will be. When righteousness is the playing field, the game changes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember like just face to face, man, with like the beauty of this, but then at the same time, the frustration of it, because Dude, you're just, you're just a fellow guest at the table, man, with everybody else. Yeah, the frustration to the person you were in your title and position yeah. and the whole aura, yeah, of that. But secretly being like, dude, man, like, I want this for myself and for everybody else more than anything. And that's what I love about, because Nicodemus shows up a little bit later on at the end of yeah. seven. And he's kind of yeah. like arguing with them. I want to like rush him to trial and kill him and all that. Nicodemus is like, well, like he's kind of like speaking up and like defending Jesus. You kind of see his progression, you know, from yeah. what is it? Chapter two or three or whatever. Yeah. And um, he's like, hold on a minute. Don't we kind of have to have like evidence? Yeah. <laughs> and he so isn't he, saying anything contrary. He too is making this move. You know, he stands as this figure who what do you do when you come face to face with God? And you don't like what he has to say. He kind of presses into that. And yes, mm-hmm. it's challenging his status. It's challenging everything that he held so dear. Dude, I'm a Pharisee. I worked so hard to get here, but he's like, Holy, wait a second. Like he had an ear to hear. Yeah. You know, he had, he had a heart to, to hear. There was some humility there and he sought him out at night 
and he's processing these things and you see his progression, you know? Um, and now it's going to be a very standing in the gap. It's going to be very, very lonely, you know, for, yeah. for him. And you give up, you give up a lot, yeah. you give up a lot, but it's like, yeah, what do you so- want? Well, you like, what do you want? You want to like fight and scrap, right? You want to keep laying burdens on, on people that, you know, are just, if you really truly see like what all this is, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all this, everything that we're trying to do and accomplish through Sundays, sermons, Wednesdays, small groups, all the assimilation programs, all the, all everything, the whole rigmarole, dude, the whole church calendar, everything you're trying to, as a leader to accomplish in all that is already fully and freely yours in Christ. Yeah, it's done. It's finished. And instead of just reveling in the party and passing on this good news to anyone and everyone and finding ways to simply encourage each other in the journey as we go, right? We can easily, almost like these Pharisees, find ourselves refuting what Jesus is actually declaring because it makes some, you know, some kind of war on, you know, some preconceived notion that we've got of God and life and purpose and, you know, meaning and destiny and all these other things. But yeah, I think Nicodemus, man, like at the end of seven, he's sort of like that poster child. He's that guy that's going, I get it. I get the frustration. I get the fear. But damn, man, don't you want the freedom that he's talking about? <laughs> Because if we're this honest, guys with making a lot of sense. If we're honest with ourselves, like we're breaking the law, man, to practice circumcision on the right on the Sabbath. This whole while we're trying to murder a dude for healing someone holy on the same day. Right, right. Like, man, the this game's got to end. Yeah, it's got to end. It's unsustainable. A life in pursuit of holiness and the law it's unsustainable yes yeah you need because it, it it's it's like a it's like a cistern of water it's not it's stagnant you can't you can't do it yep. like dude if there's anything that we need we need god to give us himself in the form of the spirit and not only are we just gonna not we're not just gonna baptize ourselves in this water we're not just gonna like you know, douse ourselves in it. We're going to drink from it. We're going to consume it. We're going to take it in. We're going to believe that's, that's shorthand for belief. Drink is shorthand for belief. Yeah. And it's going to flow from within forever. Mm -hmm. So this isn't something that you go fill up somewhere else. Right. And then bring it over here. I mean, how many, how many times you heard that, right? Well, I yeah, know man, I exactly. Go to this thing I know exactly. Filled up. I got to go get fed, dude. I got to go get filled up. I got to go get filled up. I'm like, you do realize that you're saying <laughs> the total opposite of what Jesus said he actually does in us when we trust him. Yep. You want to go do the opposite yep. of what Jesus himself says he does in us when we trust him. That so, should make you pause. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Jesus is going to give us the spirit freely. Yeah. Freely. Freely. 
And the only way to grab onto it is to trust it. That's yep. what he means by that's what he means by drink. Yep. Trust it. And yet being filled up, filling up your little sister and filling up your little pitcher costs $4 million a year in an annual budget. Yeah. Dude, I'm okay. telling you, okay. like this, the okay. parallels in chapter okay. seven between the religious community and the religious community today are spot on. Mm-hmm. They're no different. And I'm not saying that that should concern us as much as I'm saying that should free us. That should free us up to see it and go, yeah, that's me. That's me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm desiring, pursuing, teaching, and calling others to the same things the religious leaders did that opposed Jesus. The only difference is I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. No different. That was my uh, aha, man, in late 2013. Yeah. That resulted yeah. in two months later going, yeah, I resigned. We could keep going, man, but I want to save chapter eight, dude, for the next episode. It's too good. It's too great of a story. So in the meantime, cheers to living waters flowing up in and through us because of someone else is faithfulness. Cheers. Yeah, man. Till next time.